Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. We continue our series that's been based out of this verse, 2 Chronicles 7.14, that says, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, and I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin, and I'll hear their land. We, we, we've been in this series desperate for God to allow revival to take place in us as individuals, but also in this church that would bleed out into this community. Come on, we want to see a move of God in us and in others. So we've committed um, the, the last couple of weeks to diving through this verse and, and digging a little bit deeper into humbling ourselves, into praying And then this morning, we're going to mash two of these together, okay? Seeking God and turning from our wicked ways. Because even as I studied, you know what kind of dawned on me? You know what revelation I received? We can't seek God wholeheartedly without turning from our wicked ways, right? If, If God's only good, right? If he's the only thing that's good, then if I pursue him, everything else... It's my wicked way. So I have to turn from my wicked ways to seek God. If I'm going to seek God, because I can't pursue my wicked ways and pursue God at the same time. Those two things, they can't exist simultaneously. So that's the message. Have a great week. Love you guys. No, come on. We'll get into it. So come on, past two weeks, first week, we talked about humbling ourselves, right? Humbling ourselves. And then we talked about prayer and how important prayer is in the life of a believer. But this morning, I want to focus in on what does it really look like to seek God with all our heart? What does it look like to turn from our wicked ways? Okay, is that cool if I do that? If we dive into that? All right, let's pray. Jesus, Father, I pray that right now you would anoint this message. God, I, I pray that even as I communicate it, that it would, uh, the, as the seed of your word goes forth, that it'd take root in, in the hearts that are under my voice, whether they're in this room or listening on a podcast. Father, help us to receive it. Help us to be transformed by it. I pray that the seed of your word would take root in our hearts. It'd grow to produce fruit in our lives. We want to be more like Jesus, but we need help from your spirit, Lord. So we just give you permission. Speak to us, transform us, and uh, use this word in a mighty way in your holy and mighty name. Amen. So, you know, looking around the room, I I feel like I do see some new faces, but I feel like for the most part, most of you guys in the room, you know my wife, okay? And my wife is is the kind of person where you meet and you have an interaction with. She's this, uh, she's bright blonde hair, white dress in the front. If you didn't know who it is, there she is. Praise God. Um, But she's the kind of person you meet and and the first time you have interactions with her, you, you sort of have this subconscious thought of, have you ever done anything wrong in your whole life? Or are you just like, are you always this happy? Like, are you always this sweet? Are you always this kind? Like, do you even know what sin is? Do you wrestle with your flesh at all? Or did God get this one wrong here or, or right? Or, you know, whatever. So being her husband, you can imagine I, it, it's tough because I, I pretty much wake up in a valley of conviction every morning as um, my brokenness seems to be so obvious and so loud. And she has grace for me in that area. But yeah, have, have you ever met those people where you're just like, do you do like anything wrong? And, and just subconsciously, we just kind of think like, you're just a good person. Like, you're just a good person. Well, I always thought that about Abigail until she almost killed me. 
So when we were early date, you know, in, in our, our early, whatever, dating season or whatever, we, we had to drive to Kansas City for a wedding. And on this drive, you know, I, I just, there's something, I know it's sick, I know it's wrong, but there's something about me that just loves to pester my wife. Any husband just love to like pick on your wife. Come on, this just brings me great joy. So anyways, I, I'm driving to Kansas City and, you know, just kind of joking around, just being playful, um, not really trying to be evil or anything. I just start zigzagging in the car, like just to be funny and I don't know, flirtatious or whatever. <laughs> well, it was a terrible idea because what, what I failed to recognize is my wife has been in multiple car accidents. Okay. Yeah. Not, not good. So <clears throat> she gets a little anxious in the car, especially with my driving. And when I say a little, when I say a little anxious, I mean, extremely anxious. Okay. So I start zigzagging and she starts breaking down into tears and I go, okay, this wasn't the goal here. This isn't what I was trying to accomplish. So, but I also stored in my back pocket. If I want to pester my wife, this is one way I can do it. Don't judge me. Okay. (laughs) So this is, gosh, probably a couple of years later, we're uh, driving out to my, to my parents' house and I get the urge, I feel pressed to pester my wife, okay? So we're in the car, and, and now not like real dramatic, um, but just gently, I start to zigzag, you know? And I've like got a little smirk, like I know she's gonna start freaking out, and I'll stop, I'll stop, I just wanna do a little zigzag, okay? <laughs> so I got, you know, I'm smiling, I'm like laughing, the music's on, and I just know she's about to freak out, and everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> I start to zigzag the car, and I kid you not, this is almost instantaneously, like without thought, knee-jerk reaction. I don't know what I thought was my angelic, you know, wife, (laughs) my divine wife, literally throws a karate chop (laughs) at my throat hard, hard. Y'all are clapping. Dear Lord, we pray for this section over here. I, literally, and I'm dry, and all of a sudden, now I'm like mad because it hurt. Like, it hurt. I'm like, Abigail, you can't do that. It's like, are you kidding me? You're trying to use it. So it's, uh, we both started crying. But it was that day that I realized my wife needs Jesus just as bad as I do. Amen. Come on, can we agree? We all need Jesus. We all wrestle with our brokenness. Um, you know, I went to my, my, most of you guys know my sister's a CrossFitter and we went to London one time for a competition she was in. And uh, while we were back in the warm-up area, there, there's a bunch of big wig CrossFitters and big names, which might mean nothing to you guys, but you know, kind of a cool experience to be around people of like this elite level of athleticism or whatever. And I was talking with with one of the guys in the back. He was one of Jess's friends, and he, you know, well known in, in in the community. And he just sparks conversation with me. And he's like, "So, Mark, so you're a pastor?" He's like, that, "That's cool. You enjoy it?" I'm like, "Yeah, man, I like it." We start talking about you know my role as a pastor and all that stuff, and. I, I just kind of casually, straightforward, ask him the question, so what about you? Are you a Jesus guy? Do you love Jesus? Do you not? Like, where, where are you at with all that? And he was a, kind of unsettled in thought, didn't, didn't know, uh, didn't have any solidified beliefs, was just kind of like, yeah, I'm just existing, you know? And when, and when he told me that, 
I was like, hey man, I know this is kind of deep. Like we're just back here with a bunch of CrossFitters warming up and maybe this isn't the place to have this conversation. I said, I'm not trying to be a jerk or anything. I just want to ask you, if you don't mind, like what do you believe you were created for? What do you believe gives you purpose or like why, why are you here? And, you know, he was stumped and, and just kind of shrugged and didn't really have an answer for me. But he goes, I think just to be a good person, just supposed to be a good person. And I think if we were to ask, you know, go out in the world and ask people like, what's your purpose? I think a lot of us would get a shrug and to be a good person, right? But we know as believers, as Jesus followers, that ain't gonna happen. None of us are good. Some of us karate chop our husbands. But seriously, even the best people we know, the people, you know, the good people we know are still broken, right? And, and as believers, we have the hope in knowing that there's one person who was good. And guess what? I get to clothe myself with, with him. Yeah, I, I get to wear his good deeds as my own. Amen. Um, so, you know, here, here's my concern. And, and here's what I want to talk a little bit about this morning. Um, I think the church might be plagued with good people and not people hungry and thirsty to know God. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, Pastor Mark, what do you mean? And I think a lot of us are content to live decent, moral lives and and call ourselves Jesus followers and go to church on Sunday. And when we're feeling really spiritual, we throw 88.3, the wind on in the car and maybe raise one hand all ones on the serum or whatever. But, but I think if we assessed ourselves, church, if we asked ourselves, looked in the mirror, asked ourselves a question, we, and we honestly answered, are we seeking God with our whole heart? Are we, are we wholeheartedly seeking God? I think only a few of us would actually be able to say yes. And maybe that's me being generous. Ask yourself that question. If I was to wholeheartedly seek God, how would my life look different? If I was a man or or you were a woman who sought God wholeheartedly, how would your life look different than what it does right now? That's a, I mean, have we really thought about what does it even look like to seek God wholeheartedly? Do we even know how to seek God wholeheartedly? And, and, And just being honest, I think a lot of us have maybe been discouraged or frustrated. We don't feel or sense God. We feel distant or maybe you find yourself in a season of feeling spiritually dry, right? And we get frustrated thinking, God, I, I want to experience you. I want to encounter you. I want to know you. I want better intimacy with you, whatever it is. But, but we're frustrated because we don't feel like we're, we're experiencing that in God. But church, I don't think the issue is that God's been absent. I think we've been over here. I, I think maybe we've been absent. I think maybe we're choosing other things over him giving our time and attention, our love to other things other than him. And maybe some of those things, honestly, maybe some of those things aren't even bad, but they're idols. Man, I'm talking kids. I'm talking work. I'm talking money. I I don't know, maybe some of these things, maybe it's volunteering. I don't know, these things that they they take our time and their attention, but, but they're stopping us from wholeheartedly seeking God. 
What does it look like to seek God wholeheartedly? My prayer is as, as we move through this this morning, that we wouldn't just walk out of here with an answer, but we'd walk out with application. That we would actually walk away or we'd pick up the things we need to, or put down the things we need to put down to begin to become a body that wholeheartedly seeks the Lord. Amen. I don't want us to just walk out with the question of, of we can answer it. What does it look like to seek God wholeheartedly? But we're going to live it. Okay, so in Jeremiah 29, um, in the book of Jeremiah, the people of Jerusalem, God's people, are in exile. They've been taken captive uh, by Babylon. And the prophet Jeremiah, that word prophet, it means that he hears from God and speaks to the people of God for God. Okay, so God gives him the message. He relays the message. Jeremiah writes a letter to um, the people of God while they're in exile in Babylon. And uh, he has a message that's from the Lord. And I want to take a look at this. I want to take a look at specifically what the Lord spoke to these people, okay? Because I, I, I think there's something for us to take out of it. So Jeremiah 29 verses 10 through 14, it says, this is what the Lord says. This is Jeremiah writing, right? So this is basically God speaking to his people. He says, uh, you'll be in Babylon for 70 years. That's not what I wanted to hear, Lord. But the reason God's telling them that is because there's what scholars think is there's false prophets in, in Babylon who are telling them, hey, you're gonna be freed soon. You're gonna be freed soon. And, and God's like, actually, that, that's not true. The next 70 years, you're, you're gonna be imprisoned, right? You're going to be held captive for the next 70 years, but then I will come to you and do for you all the good things I have promised and I'll, and I'll bring you home again. And here we go. I know somebody in the room has 2911 tatted on them. That's okay. I'm not judging you, but we all know it. We all love it. Next to John 3:16, probably the most popular verse we see in the Bible, Jeremiah 2911, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope, right? But, but you see, but I'm allow you, part of my good plans, part of my purpose for you is I'm gonna allow the, these 70 years to take place because ultimately it's gonna be for your good, right? So then it goes on to verse 12. In those days when you pray, I will listen. But here's the deal. I feel like a lot of us, we love verse 2911. He has a plan and a hope and a future. Praise God. We love that part, right? We love that part. But, but I think oftentimes we forget to go read verses 12 and 13. 12 says, in those days when you pray, I will listen. But 13, I think this is where the nugget is. It's, but if you look for me wholeheartedly, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. Church, are we wholeheartedly looking for God? Verse 14, I will, I, I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I'll gather you out of the nations where I sent you and I'll bring you home again to your own land. Listen, th this isn't, I mean, reality, God in, in giving us Jesus gave us everything, right? We, even as we moved through Ephesians, as we've moved through Ephesians verse by verse, we found that, it, you know, every spiritual gift has, has been given us. Every good thing has been given to us in Jesus. In receiving Jesus, we've received everything, right? We've, we've gotten, but, but I also believe when we seek the Lord wholeheartedly, he responds, he rewards it, he blesses it. That's, that's the life he's purposed us to live. And every good and perfect gift is from above, right? So when he calls us to seek him wholeheartedly, he's got good things planned for us. 
So I, I, I've wrestled with this all week. If, you know, as God mentioned to them, if you, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me, you'll, you'll find me. So how would our lives look different? What, what does it look like for us to wholeheartedly seek God? Not, not to be apathetic, not to be complacent, not just to go through the motions and go through the, what, what would it look like for me to really seek God wholeheartedly? And I, and I felt the Lord lead me to this conclusion as I studied this week, to, to seek God with our whole heart is to turn from our wicked ways. I think the two are connected. Like the, the two aren't, aren't separate. You can't do one by simultaneously doing the other. If I'm seeking God with my whole heart, right? Then I'm not seeking my wicked way. I'm turning from the wicked things keeping me from God. But if I'm entertaining my wicked ways, then it'll keep me from seeking God with my whole heart. It'll keep me from intimacy with God. It'll keep me from what I say in is a juicy spirit, right? Just being saturated in his presence, sensitive to his Holy Spirit at work within us, convicting our hearts and um, yeah. But here's the trap I think a lot of us have found ourselves in. I think it's the middle ground where we, we have the option to turn from our wicked ways and seek God or not seek God and, and choose our wicked ways for status or for pleasure or for be, des, fleshly desires or, or, or comfort or peace or security. We're looking for those, those, those things immediately and, and we find ourselves in the middle ground where we, we, we don't really want to choose and we just say, I'll just be a good person. The, the middle ground of being a good person where it says, yeah, I love Jesus, but I also love this. And we have complacent, apathetic Christians who are not willing to turn from our wicked ways. We're not willing to surrender everything. We, we yeah, yeah, I love, but, but I also love this and I, I wanna hang on to this. This middle ground of being a good person we live high moral lives, right? We say we love Jesus, but we have no problem holding on to the few things that we know in our soul that we've been convicted in our hearts to let go. We won't let them go. We won't put them down. Here's where I think many of us find ourselves. We treat people good all week. We provide for our families or, you know, we love our kids well. We take care of life's responsibilities, Right? We, we handle our business. We, we go to church on Sundays and, and we, we're, we're not a bad person. Okay, we're not a bad person. But what we fail to confront, what we fail to let go of is when Friday rolls around, we, we don't mind to have four drinks too many. God, don't make me put that down. I don't wanna put that down. But, but what, what we don't confront is the Lord convicting us to put some, whatever the substance might be, the pills, the tobacco, but he's put it in your heart, you know. You know, God, you, you've convicted me, but, but if I let go of this, God, but, if, but, if, I, but if, I, if I turn away from this, God, I, I won't have peace, I won't have comfort. This is, this is what keeps me going. This is what keeps me fueled. God, don't make me let go of, don't make me let go of that, right? Maybe the Lord's been convicting you, you know, you need to tame your tongue. We need to stop gossiping or... or, or you know, we just curse and, and, and we don't really care. We know we probably shouldn't, but we just continue to do it. It's just these, these, these things that just, we won't let go. We won't turn away from them. 
I'm, I'm just going to keep reading them until I hit everybody in the room. Is that okay? <laughs> Come on, you need to read. You need to pray. You need to pursue the Lord, right? You, you need to take your spiritual discipline seriously, but you never get around to it. Ah, I just, I don't feel like it. I would just rather watch TV. I'd just rather do this. You know you need to stop looking at the pictures or watching the videos, but you keep telling yourself, I'll get it right tomorrow. I'll get it right tomorrow. Or maybe, we, maybe you incessantly tell little white lies because you don't have the courage to tell your friend, I, I just, I'm tired. I don't feel like hanging out. So you just make up a lie. Oh, the kid exploded my fridge. That <laughs> happened. I'm fearful that the church is full of what society might recognize as good people, but we know in our own spirits, we're not doing everything God's asked us to do. There's still things we're hanging on to. There's still wicked ways we've refused to turn from. We want to experience more of Jesus, right? We, we want to experience the emotional overwhelming that comes in the presence of the Lord during, during worship. We, we want to live in the blessing of God, right? We, we want to experience the miracles of God. We want, we want, we want, but we don't want to give him everything. We, we want to hang on to some of this. I, I don't want to let all of this go. But, but I think to surrender everything, to turn away from even the things we love, even the things that we, you know, maybe give us peace or comfort or joy or whatever, to, to walk away from those things is really the only way that we can wholeheartedly seek God. If we're holding on to these things, I can't, we're not. We're not wholehearted. Other things have our heart. You won't get our whole heart. to abandon anything that's not of him, to turn from our wicked ways. And maybe you're in here thinking, Pastor Mark, some of those things you named, I don't think those are super bad. To consider those wicked ways, to consider those, you know, sinful, like some of those things are happening in my life, <laughs> you know? And I, and I think we fail to recognize what James 4.17 says. It says this, it says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do than not do it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's convicting, but it's good. Like how many, you know, close, close, your, close your eyes for a second, thinking on while you're in here, what, what are some of those things the Lord's put in your heart to put down? Eyes closed, for real. Let's close our eyes, like thinking, evaluating yourself. And it's like, God, I, man, I've refused to walk away from this. I've refused to put this, I've refused to stop. I've refused to pick this up. I've refused to put this down. Open your eyes. Like the, the, the word says, like, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do than not do it. And I'm pretty sure sin is a wicked thing, right? How, how long are you gonna keep ignoring the conviction of the Holy Spirit on your heart? How long are we just gonna keep doing things the way we've always done them? How long are we gonna refuse to, to turn and, and then complain that we don't sense God and complain we don't have intimacy with God and complain that we don't, don't, don't feel his presence? And it's like, man, God is, God is right there welcoming you in, but we'd just rather hang on to all of this and then blame him right? We'd rather chase a nice, easy buzz or satisfy those lustful pleasures or try to win ourselves status by running with the crowd and doing whatever the crowd does. And the church, that's just not what it looks like to seek God with our whole heart. 
Like that's just, that's just not what it looks like to seek God with our whole heart. So in the Bible, we, we see a man who, his name's Abraham, and God gives Abraham this special promise to have a son, and man, and, and he's going to have descendants as numerous as the stars, but as Abraham journeyed through his, th- journeys through his life, it's just one year after the other, one year after the other, still no baby, one year after the other. Abraham gets so frustrated, he takes things into his own hands, right? He ends up sleeping with, with the maid or whatever and tries to have a kid with her. And, you know, they named the kid Ishmael. And, but, but that wasn't God's plan. That's not what God had. That was him in his own strength trying to make it happen. I wonder how many of us are, are walking around with Ishmaels because we just have been unwilling to wait on God. Like just take it into our own hand. That's a different message for another day. But, but finally, God's faithful. God's faithful, right? And, uh, Abraham's like, a, you know, 100 years old. Sarah's 90 years old. They're old, man. Life's gone on. And, but, but finally, the kid comes. And, and you got to think, man, they've waited. They've prayed. He's made mistakes seeking after this kid and wanting to get this kid. And finally, he gets this, this kid. He's like, God, I can't believe you get what a blessing this thing is. Oh, oh my gosh, you're amazing. This is, you're so faithful. You're so good. You answer your promises. You answer your prayers. Wow. Wow. So so that's the context to that verse. And and then we go into Genesis 22. I'm gonna go through verses one through 19. So strap in, we'll be here for a second. But but this is, it says sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to Abraham, Abraham, say, here I am, Lord. You're so good. I'm so glad you gave me that baby boy, Lord. We've we've really been connecting. Yeah, we've been playing basketball together. He's trying to teach me PlayStation. I'm terrible at it. He beats me. God has been so good. We've been having, man, he's just, what a blessing he is to me, Lord. Right, and God says, then God said, hey, take your son, your only son whom you love. Hey, Hey, that thing you've been holding on to, that thing that gives you joy, that thing you think that's most important, that thing you think you can't live without, maybe the thing you, you know that has all your focus and all your attention and, and I want you to do something with it. Go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice in there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I'll show you. Whoa! You, you mean to tell me, God, after a hundred years of praying and waiting and having the wrong kid that I don't even really like that much, Lord? God, what, what do you mean? What, God, what do you mean? But, but here's the deal. God never, God's not acting thoughtlessly. When God convicts us to lay something down, it's for our good, y'all. It's for his purpose. This takes, this takes, this takes faith. God, God wants us, God wants to bring us, you know, Ephesians says when we get back into it, we'll read it. But, but he's a God of more than we could ever ask or imagine. A God of abundantly more. But yet we want to hang on to our, but, 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 but this, but, and God's like, are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, if, if you only saw, if you, if you only knew. So let's continue on with the story. Now, now here's what I love though, because us, God says, hey, hey, I want you to lay this down. And we say, okay, next week, God, I'll do it. Yes, I will, Lord. Hey, hey, I want you to, I, I want you to give this away. Are you sure? God, I'll, God, I'll give, um, I'll give uh, that away. I'll give that away. I'll do that. God, you want me to do what? I won't. Right, and what, what is Abraham, how does Abraham respond? Does he say, God, listen. All right, I, I'm gonna hang on to Isaac 
but I'll give you um, Billy the Goat. Lord, you know I love Billy the Goat. We've been connecting. I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you Sheba the Camel. God, I'll give you, I'll sacrifice that. Right? No, you, you know how Abraham responds. says, early the next morning, Abraham got up and got to work. So we don't have the context. We don't know if Abraham argued, but what I see is he started to act on what God put in his heart to do. He was sensitive. He was obedient. That's what he was. He, yeah, he trusted God, I think. That's what it looks like. It says, the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey, took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And we had cut enough wood for the burnt offering. He set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. And, and, and I love, like, even as I've read through this story, it was like, Abraham had all these opportunities to turn back, all these opportunities to say, I'm, I'm not gonna do this, but he stayed faithful. He, he chopped the wood, right? And while he was chopping the wood, he, he could have said, I just don't wanna do this. Like, I'm just, and, and then when he saw the place off in the distance and, and he had his guys with him, he could have said, ah, nah, let's turn back. And he says, no, y'all stay here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep walking in obedience. I'm gonna stay faithful even when it's hard. And who knows, maybe the emotions were rising up in Abraham. I, I don't know. On the third day, Abraham looked up to the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here, the donkey, while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them were together. Isaac spoke up and, and said to his father, um, Abraham, he said, Father, I can almost see it. Isaac's getting a little like nervous maybe a little confused like hey we got all the stuff to make a sacrifice dad but we don't got any animal like where are we going what are we doing what's the plan here yes my son Abraham replied the, the fire and the wood are here Isaac said but where's the lamb for the burnt offering and Abraham answered God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering my son and the two of them went on together when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar. And scholars think that, you know, Isaac's not a little, it's not like he's a little baby. Not even like he's a toddler or a little boy, something, you know, 20 years old around there. I, I don't know for sure. But he bound his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar on, on top of the wood. And, and then he reached his hand, he took his knife to slay his son. You can see he is... God, you, God, this is what you've, this is what you've told me to do. And the, and the thing I admire about Abraham is he took even the thing, he, even the thing he loved most, and he just trusted that God, God, if you, if this is what you told me to lay on the altar, but God's telling us to just things that are blatantly evil, and, and we won't even lay those on the altar. We just, we want to hang on to them. And I'm just, I'm just curious. Like, what, what if we refuse to put on the altar? What, what are we refusing to lay down? Why are we so content and whatever? You know, I know this is a little negative, but I wanna, I wanna challenge us. I wanna challenge myself. Why are we so content to just be good people, but why are we so content to stay in the middle ground? Why, why, why are we so unwilling to, to rid ourselves, to throw off everything that entangles us, everything that trips us up to, to throw it off? Man, I, I can't imagine what, what the, what, what life, what we would step into, what we would receive 
how God would respond to a people that's unwilling to say, God, anything that's not, but, but pursue the Lord like that. What would happen in this church? What would happen in this community? So Abraham, here he is, man, totally ready to, to slay his own kid, the thing he's waited years for, the things he, thing he loved. And, and then it says that the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. He said, don't lay a hand on the boy, he said. Don't do, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and, and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. I just, I, I can't help but and, and, and continue to encourage us that as we lay things, e even if it hurts y'all, even if it's something, something we love, something that we think uh, we can't go on without or, or the thing that has our time, but, but if we're willing to give it to the Lord, I have to believe that he's going to provide something better. He's gonna provide what you need. He's a God who gives good gifts. Remember we were in Matthew last week and he's like, how much, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to you? Like that, that's his heart. God wants good things for you. God's not telling you to let go of something so he can give you something worse or something bad. That's just not God. But, but yet we'd rather hang on to our, our rotten our thing rather, rather than go, go get the, the fruit of the promised land, the, the heavenly treasure that God has prepared for us. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And, and to this day on that mountain, of the Lord, it will be provided. Verse 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham for a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, you have not withheld your son, your only son, I'll surely bless you and I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Uh, your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Listen, there's, there's blessing to be found in obedience. There's blessing to be found in obedience. And, it, it, and if we're not obedient, we're gonna miss out on the blessings of God. But also, man, I, I, you know, let's just be a church that wholeheartedly seeks God. Like, let's just, my, my desire, my prayer is that we would become a church that's hungry and thirsty to know God. So, so, so search, like, what have we been holding on to? What have we been unwilling to lay on the altar? And, and, you know, we, we, we serve a God who laid everything down. I love it because God let Abraham keep his kid. God let Abraham keep Isaac. But, but God also knew, listen, I'm not going to make you provide your son, but I will. But I will. Same mountain range. Super prophetic. This is all pointing to Jesus. Je Jesus, you know, remember how Isaac carried the wood? Right? Did I, Isaac carry the wood? Did Jesus carry a wooden cross? God would, while we were still sinners, give us everything. God loved us so much, he gave his one and only son for us. God never asked somebody to do what he's unable to do for himself. But, but, but here it is, God's given us everything, and, and yet we don't, we, we don't want to lay it all down. This, let that be our response. Let us live lives of worship. Just, God, anything that's not of you, Whatever you put in my heart to do, that, that's what I'm gonna, that's what I'm gonna start to do. Amen. Like my, my question is, what are you what are you looking for? What are 
What are you looking for? What are you, and the things you're unwilling to lay down, why are you so unwilling to lay them down? Do you really think they'll give you peace? Do you really think they'll give you joy? Do you really think they'll satisfy you? Do you really think they'll give you eternal life? Do you think they'll give you purpose and significance and status? And they might in the temporary on earth. Yeah, you might get a couple of eyebrows raised and you might get a couple of, you know, you might get noticed by your friends and whatever. But listen, it's all sand. It, it all goes away. Moths eat it. It goes away. Lay it down while, while we're here, while we're on earth. Lay it down and say, I'm, I'm going to live for something greater. What are you looking for? Because like we read in Ephesians, it's all found in Jesus. You're looking for peace? Jesus. Right? I, it, like, and, and hear me, I'm not, like you're looking, you got money problems, right? Guess who has the biggest bank account you could ever imagine? Seriously, you know? You looking for healing? Jesus. Right? You, you looking for a restored marriage? Jesus. It, it's all found in Jesus. He's, he's, he's a God who, who gives good gifts. Amen? But he gave the greatest gift of, of taking our sin and giving us a new life. And for that, he's worthy of everything. He made a way for me. He made a way for you. The Bible says, all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. All who confess with their mouths and believe in his heart, he's Lord, they will be saved. So uh, I want to conclude this series with, with this verse, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I'll hear their land. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.